Welcome to Live and Love Your Brand, a podcast to support you in sharing your message and mission with the world. I'm your host, Emma Lovell. I'm lovely by name, lovely by nature. I'm a personal branding specialist with a mission to support female entrepreneurs to live and love their brand. I've been running my business, Lovely Communications, for more than 12 years, and I can hand on heart say that my success has come from the strength of my personal brand. I believe in the power of owning and sharing our story. I want to help you own your story, show up consistently, and really put yourself out there. So here on the podcast, you'll find helpful tips, practical exercises, and joyful discussions that will inspire you to reconnect with your brand and communicate it more effectively. I'll be joined by incredible experts to discuss how personal branding can have a huge impact on your business and on your life. I'd love to hear from you, so please make sure to connect over on social media. You can find me on Instagram at lovelycoms, that's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, double the L means double the life, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and you can join in the conversation in our lovely community, the Live and Love Your Brand Facebook group. Of course, make sure to come back weekly as each new episode drops. I can't wait to share with you how to gain clarity, build confidence, and increase connections all by sharing your unique personal brand with the world. Lovely Communications is based on the Gold Coast and recognizes Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. We are grateful for the continuing care of the lands, waterways and skies where we work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on your Gumbay country and from wherever you are listening, we respect the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to the Live and Love Your Brand podcast. I am thrilled to be joined today by Claire Riley, who is a podcast host and multiple sclerosis advocate. Claire and I met on a retreat in March of 2022 and realized quickly that we actually had a mutual connection. Um, the wonderful Kelly Wright, who is also an MS advocate. I quickly connected with Claire, but was also so just inspired by her um, advocacy and her support of the her community. So Claire is the host of the MS Understood podcast. I like I thought it was misunderstood, but it is we could work both ways, but it's MS Understood. And she's a multiple sclerosis advocate and life coach and supports women with chronic illnesses. Claire is passionate about creativity, learning and advocacy and loves to go for a swim at the beach most mornings. So Claire and I are going to be chatting about what it's like to find your identity through illness, especially when you've been diagnosed with an illness later in life and living with that and what she's learned from her community and what that looks like for her. Uh, I'm so really grateful that Claire has shared this way and uh, continues to share with her audience. I also just wanted to point out that I actually will be hosting a breakfast, a morning tea fundraiser for MS Queensland on the 28th of June. So it's very soon after this is released. If you're listening later on, it would have passed, but it's such an honor to bring these worlds together. And I will be doing that with Oasis Home Care Services, who are hosting the fundraiser in support of MS Queensland. And we will actually have our mutual connection, Claire Riley and I's mutual connection, Kelly right there, speaking about her lived experience with MS. So 
if it's after 28th of June, I'm sure you'll be here seeing lots of photos um, and hopefully we've raised lots of money. Uh, but I love being able to um, support in this way and uh, to yeah, to raise awareness for this illness, which impacts so many and is so varied in how it um, presents. So no further ado, let's hear from Claire Riley. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Claire Riley. Thank you so much for having me fellow podcaster so you know how this works but not everyone knows you here I've given a little intro but I would love to hear in your words who are you Claire? Yeah it's gosh it's such a big question and I feel like I never answer it the same way uh, I'm Claire I'm a podcast host um, a life coach a student a mum wife friend sister daughter all of those things. I love it and I like that you don't answer it the same way I don't think we need to and I'm very um against the elevator pitch I like having a suite of ways to talk about yourself but um, I also like to ask how we met and I think it's a bit of a fun story and there's like it's always this thing isn't it where there's like synergy or there's like connections that you don't even realize so please tell us how we met yeah I think um ours was definitely a synergy synchronicity kind of meeting so we both went to Amy Betts uh, Lady Without Limits um, a beautiful luxury retreat uh, earlier this year. March, Gosh, yeah. It feels like forever ago. Um, and we, well, I suppose I'd probably introduced myself um, at the time and you picked up on that I, the fact that I have MS, which I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about, multiple sclerosis, and you'd actually worked with some people that I had, I know, or that I'd interviewed for my podcast or the podcast that I host. So then we got talking and uh, now we get to chat and work together also. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, well, it was perfect timing because around the time I had uh, announced with Osmanpreneur the um, Overcoming the Odds Scholarship, which was in honour of Cass Jones um, for people with disability or with chronic illness so that they get to be uh, have a scholarship with the Women's Business School and also a six-month coaching program with me. And when I met you, I was like, I think you would be perfect for this uh, chronic and illness it's turned, tick. <laughs> you know, well, it turns support. out I'd already applied. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I'd already <laughs> applied for it. Um, I think I then reapplied because I wasn't happy with my first application, but I had already applied for it. So, And, yeah, I was a very, very lucky recipient mm. um, of that scholarship. So, yeah, super grateful. Oh, amazing. Yes, and so we knew the amazing Kelly Wright. And, and yeah, I had actually been on. So I have known about MS. <clears throat> I knew about MS years ago because a, f- a lovely friend who a family friend was a babysitter and her daughter was diagnosed with it. And so I did actually have an awareness of it. And then we used to have the MS readathon, which was fantastic. So, but I think, you know, I was probably, well, I was a child. And so it's hard to understand what that means. And then the nature of MS now I know is that it, it, you know, presents differently, so differently in everyone uh, but I had, I guess, more interaction with people and I've learned a lot more because I ended up taking a trek to China in 2018 with um, 20 amazing people who raised money for MS. And we actually had four people on that trip with MS. And again, the, the variety and the variation within their own symptoms and experience was so great and how they managed it and how we managed that time together on the the Great Wall of China and obviously one of those people 
um, Kelly ended up being on your podcast and that was the lovely connection that we had. But, um, you know, it's one thing to understand what it is and how it can be different, but it's very different, obviously, to live it. And Mm. how has it been for you? Um, You know, one of the things I really wanted to discuss on this podcast was uh, life, I guess, before and after MS and navigating that identity your identity and your life with chronic illness? Yeah, my um, life before and after um, my diagnosis are quite quite distinct, but also there's a bit of a blend. So my background actually is in outdoor education. So I have a degree in outdoor education um, where I would take kids hiking or rock climbing, um, that kind of thing. And so up until... Well, I mean, there's kind of a a very blurry in between, but I was working in the field um, in outdoors until uh, I got pregnant and then um, I were or not until I got pregnant, but um, soon before that and I uh, was working then as a teacher um, and then almost directly after my diagnosis, within a month of my diagnosis, my husband and I with our son, um, moved and started running an outdoor education centre. So whereas that's the kind of blurry line is like I was diagnosed and then went and it was my dream job. It had been the job I'd dreamed of since I was 16 um, at this particular place. So I went and did that. So that's kind of that blurry overlap of like I went back into the outdoors after I was diagnosed um, and didn't tell anyone that I had that diagnosis and really kept it quiet. Um, private, but also almost private for myself. I didn't really acknowledge it or think about it or process it at all. I just went and did this job, which was amazing. Um, And then when we moved home, that's when I got that realisation and that was the kind of real um, where the switch flicked and and I realised that I needed to acknowledge what I was doing and, sorry, acknowledge um, the diagnosis and how I was going to manage that. Otherwise, um, I was going to fall into a really big deep, dark depression and also ignore all of my symptoms. And so because of that, probably lose a lot more mobility than I have now because I've been able to work on that as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you, yeah. So you got the diagnosis, but you were kind of like, no, thank you. (laughs) Or like, but your symptoms mustn't have been presenting that greatly or were you kind of masking them by by being busy and not acknowledging them and not noticing and being like, oh, I was just tired or that's just this or that's just that. Yeah, so I um, definitely was masking. Um, So we had staff that worked for us um, at the camp and they knew that I had MS and I would use hiking poles to get around but didn't tell my employers or um, anyone who was kind of coming to the camp. And so I was able to hide it enough um, for, for most of the time we were there, maybe mm, a year and a half of the time that we were there. Um, but my walking did get worse over the time. So walking for me is what impacted the most, um, mm-hmm. my control and um, really the control in my lower limbs. Um, and then I suppose the weird connection is that I have done online, things online for a very long time. So I've been blogging about simple living, um, food blogging. Um, I ran sourdough workshops I <laughs> sold sourdough starters like a, a before really it was long called, time before the pandemic before the <laughs> pandemic yeah 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 like damn yeah. it <laughs> yeah and then um I got my diagnosis and really 
went into a shell because I didn't share it online. And for me, it was such a huge part of me that I didn't feel comfortable sharing. And so therefore I really didn't feel comfortable sharing my life at all because I felt like I was showing up as a fake almost. Mm -hmm. And so when I decided after I'd told my employers while I was still working at the camp and I decided to share it online, I felt that I was much more able to be, you know, we talk about authentic self and obviously we all know there's a version of the authentic self that we share. It's not everything. Mm. We're not sharing our whole every second of every day online, but without having shared my um, diagnosis, it was so massive that I just couldn't even show up at all. And so that to me was a real, um, yeah, switch again. When I, when I started to share my diagnosis, I felt like I was more able to share more of myself. And now really I'm, um, I am, I do show up as the, the woman, I suppose, with MS and I talk mm-hmm. about it a lot and that's predominantly what I share now. So I've really shifted away from, um, sharing about simple living and cooking and food, which is, you know, what I, I used to share a lot of, um, to really focusing on, share, um, on being an advocate and talking about MS. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, we were talking offline. The no microwave now makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, the no microwave as as blew up before we went to the camp, and then oh. we learnt because there was no electricity there. We just reheated everything on the stove, um, and so we've now been back for two and a half years. Been home for two and a half years, so it's been five years since we've had a microwave. And I was like, right, it's time, it's so, time. And you know, I would actually yeah put that into simple living <laughs> microwave, yeah. especially kids like. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think really um, it's quite interesting looking at simple living in that way. You know, we do, uh, we are still quite conscious about, um, you know, as much as we can about the environment, but also I realise, I have realised how privileged it, mm-hmm. it is to be able to live a life of, of simplicity and simple living in inverted commas because living with the disability now that is more debilitating and is more difficult to get around a lot of those things that I used to do I just can't do anymore I don't have the energy to do anymore Mm -hmm. and so it really has taken a I've really had to step back from sharing about that because I really do feel like it's such a privileged place to be and to be able to choose to live a simple life yeah I don't think that's framing though too isn't it because what like you know, I'd understand the like sort of way that you're talking about simplicity in terms of, I mean, yeah, not needing all these gadgets mm. and, and things like that. But then there are, there is that sort of place where it's like, if this one thing is going to help you, and I know that we've talked about meal deliveries, like uh, meal services mm. and stuff like that, if that thing is going to help you, like, then maybe that is part of your simple living is like, if I have mm. this thing, or if I have this support that helps me then to do these other things and it makes everything else you know, so I think that's just, I know. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like for sure. And I feel like if we're not looking after ourselves first, you know, talking about um, delivery services, I chose to have light and easy for, you know, maybe three months at the start of this year. And I, before going on that, I had such a breakdown and meltdown. I, you know, I was at my parents' house sobbing because I was so tired and I was so tired of making decisions and preparing food and all of those things that everything else in my life was falling away. So by choosing to do something that was simple for me versus simple living, 
made my life so much easier that I could then focus on putting the things into the recycling bin correctly and reaching them out before they go in or mm-hmm. um, enjoying our local food swap or like those kinds of things could come because I was doing something that maybe wasn't the best environmental choice but was a really good choice for my mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's got to, it's got to be that long game too. But um, and mm. just, yeah, I'm interested. So it was, you know, in pretty going down a pretty interesting hole, but like was there, was it sort of a lot of shame, I guess, around that diagnosis? Was that the real issue in the sharing or is it, you know, yeah, was it the impact on your life or, you know, I know you said, you know, then it impacted all these other things, but was that, you know, that initial you know, or was, it, or was it just simple denial? <laughs> like, nope, it's not happening. Yeah, I think it was a combination of all of the things, really. So this, like I said earlier, this was my dream job. I've wanted mm. it since I was 16. Um, it, was, it was really my bucket list thing to tick off. So um, I didn't share my diagnosis online because I didn't want any of the people employing me to think less of me mm-hmm. and therefore not employ me, mm. which you know, I don't know whether they would have had they known, but it's a pretty fair assumption though. (laughs) I mean, as someone with MS running an outdoor education center, not ideal. (laughs) Um, But I was completely qualified for the position. Most of my job involved um, making bookings, running all the online systems, um, you know, that kind of coordinating stuff. I didn't go on hikes. My husband did a couple, but he was more involved in you know, running the property and training the staff and that kind of thing. So I could still have done my job if I had been in a wheelchair. However, I couldn't have got onto the property. So that's a whole other that's a whole nother thing. So I think part of it was um, definitely absolutely denial. And for me to be able to prove to myself that I could do it, that I could still do it and prove to my employers. So I got to that stage where I did need to tell them. And they were like, why didn't you tell us sooner? And I was like, mm. well... At this point, you can't fire me because I've been doing the job for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So I told them comfortably and um, our contract was always a two to three year contract. So we saw that out. Um, yeah, it was definitely denial. There was definitely some form of shame. Um, not not in the sense of like, what have I done or this shouldn't have happened to me, but more I'm super um, stubborn. Mm-hmm. and independent and I want to be able to do those things for myself and so um yeah I think there was a level of if I start telling people then people feel sorry for me or try to help yeah. um you, you, know, you in a different way helpful. yeah that's right um and now I I just I can't hide it so yes. it's um it needs to be talked about yeah look and that came up pretty quickly I didn't yeah, I'm pretty sure you said it pretty quickly within when we met mm-hmm. because, you know, it was, it was like, this needs to happen. I, this is my situation. Um, you had the, you know, your fabulous walking mm. stick with the bubbles in it, which I love. I've now got five. <laughs> <laughs> which walking stick will I use today? Why not? Accessorize. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so you did declare it, but, you know, that is also up to the person and um, had a really interesting, you know, it is a challenging situation where we went on a mm. trek and funnily enough was for MS and there was a woman there who was point blank in denial. It was quite evident that she had it, but 
even the family was in denial. It was really hard because it was an issue in terms of her being able to do. And we had to actually take her off the trek. And it was really hard to navigate. And it was like, we can't force her to say something, but we have to handle the situation. And then on the same trek, we had someone with a mental health, um, you know, I get mental health or intellectual disability or wherever you put it, um, who told me in confidence uh, before the trek but I didn't have to force her I didn't have to put that in the notes and mm. I didn't have to force her to say anything but then again something happened and it was like oh this could be because of that and then there was this I had this real issue with the operator because they were like you should have told us because you knew and I was like that's not my information to share I told her to say I asked her to bring it up so it's this really mm. tricky spot I was like that is I think there's a difference in what you're talking about I think um being on a trip like that, I think that, and and be, having been an outdoor leader, <laughs> that's to me for safety. Yes. Um, and as a leader, you deserve to know those things because it can put your safety or the other um, participant safety um, at risk. But I'm trying to think of, um, there was somewhere I was the other day and I can't remember the situation, but um you know, if I'm walking down the street with a walking stick or I stumble and fall over or, oh, I was at, um, I've been doing ceramics on Sundays because it has nothing <laughs> to do with anything else and it's lovely. Um, and I went along and I'd been before so the people running it knew that I had MS and they were very helpful. But when we all introduced ourselves, I didn't mention it because I didn't need to because mm-hmm. it didn't impact in any way the other participants um, who were in the class. But I'm sure they were all wondering why she got a walking stick, why are they being mm-hmm. so helpful for her, um, why is she stumbling around and holding onto all the furniture. But it's none of their business. Mm. Um, and I think there's a level of, you know, some obviously I speak about it a lot and mm-hmm. um, there's a level of me being open to that and and happy to speak about it because it raises awareness and because it's not something to be shamed ashamed yeah. about um but there's also like I'm at a ceramics class that's not why I'm, like it's got nothing to do with my disability I'm here to do ceramics just like you are we don't need to have this conversation mm-hmm. you know yeah. so there's kind of like or if I'm walking down the street um you know there's no reason that a complete stranger can should stop me and say what's happened <laughs> yeah yes. it's none of their business and I'm sure but you know obviously there's <laughs> Well, you know, not not so much recently. Most of my town know of that, you know, recognise me in some sense. Um, you know, I've got a, a heaps more tolerance for kids because I don't mm. want kids to be shamed into speaking about disability and and that kind of thing. And honestly, there's no right or wrong. It's a yeah. really tricky um, kind of thing to navigate. Yeah, and it's... Um... I do, uh, yeah, from the other ladies that I'd been on the trip with too, in terms of when you get that diagnosis as well, like there's, um, you don't know how it's going to go. I know one of the ladies was very fearful that, that basically she was going to end up in a wheelchair and, and life was going to deteriorate very quickly. So she went out and did a lot of stuff, but she's still actually super not impacted. So it's not, well, not, you know, not, but, you know, you know, it wasn't the way she thought it was going to go. Whereas another lady I knew went into sort of a paralysis, lost her speech, has had to like relearn to walk and talk and completely different. So I think, you know, there would be fear and unknown and as well as all the feelings of yeah of that around yeah. what's the future and I think look like. That around that, 
Yeah. Coming from that now, so I've been diagnosed for five years and have, like I said, five walking sticks. I've got a uh, mobility scooter. I've just borrowed a wheelchair. I've got a um, walking frame and um, I don't look at my life as declining. Uh If that makes sense. Uh So like, obviously when I was first diagnosed, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get a wheelchair. I'll be stuck in a wheelchair or, um, you know, things will get however bad. But um, now what I'm coming to terms with is the fact that today I could walk Uh on my mobility or go on my mobility scooter to take my son to school and he could have a ride on it and he drove it (laughs) and it was fun. And we got out in, in town and, um, you know, that's better. And then I wasn't in pain. Mm. And so that to me is a greater quality of life than not having a scooter and pretending everything's okay. Yeah. So I think that's a really, I mean, it's an incredibly difficult mind shift, yep. mindset shift to come to terms with using mobility aids. Um, and I think, like I said, I'm pretty lucky or pretty grateful that, you know, I get I get to the school gate and I'm sitting on my scooter for the first time and someone says, oh, you've had a haircut. Not, oh, why, you know. <laughs> so it's um, people just know that that's me now and that's what's going to happen and it's not a big deal. It feels like a really big deal but no one else thinks it is, which is great. Yeah. But the language around that too, like language is such a powerful thing, isn't it? Like the way you mm. them as mobility aids, they mm. give you mobility they don't take something Mm. away they've given you something and I think that's something where I you know even different story about it it we all might have to get to this process at some point with aging you know my grandmother Mm. doesn't like using a walker or they don't like using the house because it's bulky or whatever so she used a walking stick but they've had falls and she you know Mm. so it's like but if you use the walker you would get more mobility whereas my my godfather has had has some uh, mobility issues and he's like I use the walking frame because I can then go out. If I don't use it, I can't go out. And I think it's so interesting because, like, how many of us wear glasses? Yeah. That all that is is a um, accessibility aid. Yeah. But it's so normalised, and particularly for younger people. Like I think, like you said, grandparents um, also have the same kind of mindset shift, but it's much more common. Whereas. You see someone like me mm-hmm. yeah, of course. riding down the street on a mobility scooter. There's there's a head turn or a or oh that sympathy mm-hmm. voice that's very, very annoying. Oh, what happened? No, nothing happened. Like it's none of your business. Yeah. You start if you start in that tone, you'll get a satical air, by the yeah. way. <laughs> okay, good note. But you yeah. know, I think the reason I've gone down that road as well is just because I think what you're doing now is so powerful and so wonderful and that you've gone through that journey yourself Mm. of experiencing all of the feels and making that decision then to use your voice to say to other people like yeah you're going to feel all these things or or I'm going to talk about it so that if you are feeling that you know and I think you know please tell us about the podcast but that's what I see Mm. that you're doing and I just think that's such a gift that you've managed to, to to share that and help people in that way. Yeah, so I created the um, MS Understood podcast. Um, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> I created the um, MS Understood podcast in October 2020, like everyone else who wanted to start a podcast, um, uh, to yeah, to talk about um, real stories of people living with MS. So, you know, we, we see a lot of um, the, like, 
the wheelchair picture. And I'm not obviously not saying that people don't end up in wheelchairs because like I said earlier, I've got one, <laughs> but it's not the most common, you know, you walked with people who, who hiked the Great Wall of China. Um, so I wanted to be able to talk to the people everyone I wanted to be able to share enough stories that anyone could find something they related to um and I haven't done that yet I don't think um so yeah I also have just um started doing some life coaching with people with MS who um you know all chronic illnesses who are again just looking for some support from someone who understands what they've been through Mm -hmm. um someone who gets it so um yeah I think they're you know, definitely two things that I really wanted when I was first diagnosed and I'm hoping that, well, I mean, I've had an amazing um, response. So, Ooh, yes. yeah, I think that other people also are getting a lot out of them. I think, you know, not only will it remove the shame for other people, but I hope, like, well, I'll ask you, <laughs> don't tell put words in your mouth, did it help you remove some of that? Like the, once you started talking about it, did it remove that shame and that, that stigma that you kind of had for yourself? Oh, absolutely. So 20, October 2020 was 12 months after we'd gotten home from the camp and that, that 12 months was a huge shift for me. Um, but, yeah, I got to chat with a huge amount of people who, you know, there was people who were mountaineering New Zealand or hiking the Great Wall of China or um, authors or um, jur- um, journalists or lawyers, like a huge amount of painters um, from that one painters like just just (laughs) an incredible amount of um experience and wealth of knowledge in all of the people I've spoken to and have you know for me have been able to create amazing contacts um and connections with people who understand what I'm going through and um not too long ago and I don't think the episode has been released yet um, it'll be coming in the next season. I've just started doing seasons because every week was getting a little bit much. Yes. <laughs> um, but I spoke with someone who told me about how they have a wheelchair um, to get around and they're still mobile and um, walking around the home. And and we talked about why they would choose to use a wheelchair and how hilarious it was when they were, you know, they'd get to a curb and they'd stand up and move the chair up and over the curb and people would think they were cured and you know, all those things, which which really kind of floats my boat, just like stuffing with people's minds a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, if I can have a wheelchair and go to a music festival for the day, why would I choose not to? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me that was a massive revelation. And that podcast, like I said, hasn't even gone live yet and I've been doing the podcast for a year and a half and I'm still getting nuggets like that. Mm-hmm. So now I've got mobility devices everywhere. Yes. Uh, I'm glad it's helped you too, but I just, mm. and like I think you've talked about, I've heard you talk about before that there are these services and there are these organisations obviously who are set up um, to support people, but there's still a gap, isn't there? And there's, um, mm. you know, there's a difference between someone going, here's the access to the services that you can have, or here's the information on, and here are the people who've been there to you talking to somebody and sharing it in that different way, in that different medium of like two people with MS talking. Mm. I think part of it too is where the money is coming from. So um, I have no filter, essentially. <laughs> like there's no one telling me what I can and can't say. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, other, like you said, organisations who who work with and support people with MS have to focus on certain 
things. Um, and so, yeah, I can we can say whatever we want on the podcast because there's no one telling us what to say. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective, actually. Yes, there's no filter, which is great and what you need. And I was actually, um, so I'm a volunteer with Disabled Winter Sport Australia. I'm hoping I can get down there this year, which is an amazing organisation which takes people with disabilities to the snow uh, to experience snow sports. Um, and I've had the privilege of being on many trips and getting to meet many people with disabilities I actually really hadn't had that much access or experience with people with disability in my life so it's been a really interesting learning experience for me but I was in the room one night one day when we were on an extended camp and two of the women uh, have vision impairments and they were having a conversation and didn't leave the room another person I was in the room and they just were talking and then it you know it was just them sharing their experience and just saying kind of you know, quite frankly, how crap it was and how shit it was and how hard it had been and the challenges they're facing. And the other lady was mentioning me like, should we leave or what do we do? And I was like, no, like, you know, she's like, this is so hard. And I was like, they need this. And this is their story and this is their conversation and that that's that's what's needed. And we have no idea. No idea. I think part of it with the podcast too is obviously, and one of the questions I do love to ask everyone is what is the best thing to have happened? But we're not sugarcoating it either. Is we talk about how hard it is, and um, you, know, I think we also need to acknowledge that likely everyone's got something hard happening in their lives. It's mm-hmm. just that you can see mine, mm-hmm. um, and so while we talk about how hard living with MS is, we also acknowledge that it's not the be all and end all. You know, we no. can still have our lives. Um, and we other people also Sundays. have, yeah, that's right. Um, and other people also have hard things happening. Yeah, absolutely. But to, you know, you are in a very select category and to hear from people who are experiencing your things, who, who get it. And again, such a wide spectrum. So, you know, you might even hear someone go, whoa, like that's happening for you. I didn't like that's hard for you. And I'm not even, you know, mm. um, I think there is, it is nice to have a space that is for that community and to have someone who's gone through your story. And just as um, we, you know, you we're now working together through Osmumpreneur, like I'm very happy for that community because they are Australian women who are mums, who are entrepreneurs. It is a select group of women who will get the journey mm. that I'm on because we all have those three things in common. So I think having people, your a community and having a yeah channel that is for you is so important and the fact that you've created that is you know so great and I think the life coaching is such a lovely idea too uh, and great Mm. resource and you do that through voice memos which is or is that another service yeah no so two I'm offering two different kind of packages I suppose at the moment so voice memos um vibrant voice notes I love that Uh, because for me is um one of my hand my right hand so my typing hand gets quite fatigued Um, and my mouth goes very quickly so um, voice notes works um, and then there's another um, offering which is oh so that's just like a month so we do one zoom call where we meet at the start and get to kind of know each other and chat about what you would like to get out of the month and then there's a three-month container where we do fortnightly zoom calls and um, Voxer in between so yeah yeah, it's kind of the two options um, to see how it goes yeah Whichever um, works best for you. I really like that. And voice notes, it's a great, 
different um, accessibility as well because sometimes emailing mm. and typing and then the process of actually like putting all this stuff together it's like well why don't we use the tech and work smarter and I use voice memos in my coaching <laughs> you know yeah. um, I love it and sometimes you can hear tone and, and um, well you can you can hear tone which you can't mm. hear in t- writing um, so yeah. you can really hear where someone's at and um you know, it can be a really nice way to connect. So I love that. You also have something really beautiful that I got to experience on our retreat. I do. Um, my Affirm Affirmation cards. So they're beautiful um, cards that are um, life to support affirmations for daily support of life with a chronic illness. So most of them are, you know, beautiful cards of, you know, quotes that anyone could relate to, things like I can or... I am worthy, those kind of things. And then some of the cards directly relate to having an illness. So they are, you know, my illness is not all of me or, um, you know, my illness does not define me or it's invisible, not imaginary, you know, these kinds of things. So um, I do, yeah, I'm really proud of them. I think you're doing such an amazing job of navigating this, you know, this identity with your chronic illness, um, but also using that and helping other people, you know, by using that story. So um, I'm very excited for our journey together to see where we take it. Um, And if people would like to continue following your journey, how can we connect and follow you? Um, I have a website, so it's clairereilly.com. You can find me on Instagram and it's claire.reilly. That's probably the best places. And I'm about to get my newsletter list up and happening this week. So you can check on my website for that. I love it. Yes, that is going to happen. So, um, and we also did a live. So we talked a little bit slightly differently. So on my Instagram at lovely comms, if you want to grab some more of Claire, because we can't get enough of her. Uh, thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly, always, but especially here today, uh, I'm really grateful for it. And I appreciate how you show up. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Live and Love Your Brand. I'm so grateful that you've shared your time by listening today. That means so much to me. And if you're loving what you're learning, I would be so appreciative if you'd leave a review, rate this podcast and subscribe. It really shows me that you care, but it also helps other listeners to find us too. Again, please be sure to connect with me. I love hearing from you and getting to know your story. You can connect with me on Instagram at Lovely Comms, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and please do join the gorgeous community, Live and Love Your Brand, our Facebook group. Or if you're ready to take action now and want to improve how you show up in the world with your brand, then head on over to lovelycommunications.com. Again, lovely is L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, communications.com to learn how you can work with me my clients have gone on to experience opportunities that they could never have dreamed of. From starting businesses to taking leadership in their own life, they have found the confidence to stand in who they are and to go wholeheartedly after what they truly want in life. And I want that for you too. If you're ready to invest in yourself and reconnect with who you are, then let's chat. Thank you again for listening. Now go into the world and share the beauty that is the uniqueness of you. Catch you next week, lovely.